Hey everybody, it's your girl Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama by way of Glassboro, New Jersey. You know it right here on BlackSidRadio.com. How y'all doing? How you feel out there today? I am feeling groovy, groovy, groovy. Did I say I'm feeling groovy? Because I am. I really am. I'm feeling groovy. The kitchen is completed. Yes, honey, we did a 10-year kitchen remodel makeover. If you want to see the beginning or the before and after, you know, check out, I think I put a video on the YouTube channel and um, it's just really, it's really nice. I've never like stayed or lived in a house long enough that, you know, we actually started to enhance the house as we go. We always come into the enhanced house and by the time you get to the place where you might be considering an answer, that it's time to roll, okay? <laughs> so this has been nice because we've done two additions to our home in Panama since um, we purchased the home back in 2012. And getting a kitchen remodeled is like having a brand new house. And I am love, love, loving it. You understand? So that was a good thing that um, happened uh, to me this week. And also, you know, I was out of the house for a good part of the um, construction. The dust was just off the chain. And if you could hear um, the construction in Panama, because the walls are so hard, it's like the walls are really hard. They're like cement blocks underneath everything and them trying to um, cut out this hole. We did a pass through them trying to cut out that hole, baby. I was like, oh my gosh, I was here one day when they was doing some drilling and I was like, that can't be good for you. But anyway, so I'm happy that that is done. I'm excited because we have some great trips coming up. Really looking forward to Columbia. And before you ask, the trip has been sold out now for a few months. But we will be in Cartagena um, the end of October and the first week of November. We're taking a group of about 30 and um, we're going to be exploring the Palenque Woman. So y'all stay tuned for that because I'm definitely going to bring y'all some footage and information from Boots on the Ground in um, Colombia. So I'm excited about that. And then the other major um, thing that we have going on too is the Sisters in Panama. The Sisters in Panama is going to be here before we know it. It is um, it's all about the crown, baby, all about the crown. If you are a sister who will fix another sister's crown without telling the world that the crown was crooked, then this is the trip for you. We are going to be mixing the trip up. You know, we got motivation. We got activities. We got you know, um, two different hotels. We're going to be at the Westin Playa Bonita on the beach, you know, at an all-inclusive, in addition to being downtown in Panama at the Torres de Alba. So we're going to mix it up. So you're going to have city and sand. It's just, it's just going to be magical. And you just have to be there. So if you didn't get your ticket already, you definitely want to go ahead and do that. Lastly, I want to give a shout out to our newest 
BEEP community platform, business level um, memberships who have signed on and who um, are partnered with us on the BEEP community platform, giving a shout out to Jeffrey Carter, Dynasty Media, um, Giovanna Bernal at um, Prime Solutions, and Mike and Maria from Prime, I'm sorry, from Inside uh, Panama Real Estate. Thank you so much for becoming a part of the Beep Community Platform. And we look forward to working with you to help you enhance and grow your business and introducing you to all of our friends. So thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Now, ah, drum roll. Y'all know we have the best guests. I'm sorry. We have the best guests, period, 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 hands down. Um, today, you are going to meet a young brother. His name is Leroy Adams. Yeah, his name is Leroy Adams. I said, I know you, I know a lot of people say don't expect you when they, when they hear Leroy Adams is coming, but <laughs> he's a young man. Um, he is an entrepreneur. He's a speaker. He's a passionate storyteller. Um, he is a self-proclaimed travel junkie. Um, and he is the, um, the host of the Buddy, the Buddy Pass podcast, say that fast, and also former Peace Corps volunteer in Ethiopia. He is um, also the executive editor and founder of the Buddy Pass magazine, which we'll talk about a little bit today. His name is Leroy Adams. He is just amazing. I'm going to let him introduce himself to you. He is just um, amazing. You're going to smile. Just, just hearing his voice, you're going to smile. And um, so let me get him on the line. Y'all know how this go. I'm going to get him on the line. I'll be right back. This is Charlotte Van Horn, Black expats in Panama by way of Little Old Glassboro, New Jersey, right here on BlackCityRadio.com. Hang tight. Be right back. Everybody, it's your girl Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama, and I'm coming to you today to make sure that you know about our new Black Expats in Panama community platform. That's right, our Beat Community Platform or BCP. That can be found at blackexpatsinpanama.net. Just click on that link that says join the community. There you will find businesses, groups, as members, you'll be um, privy to events. You can have you can sell things with the classified um, section. You'll get exclusive information offering and interviews. You get discounts on Black Expats in Panama meetups and tours and ITA global um, events as well. 
and so much more. So go over there, check out the membership, see which one is right for you, and let us know if you have any questions. Thank you. Leroy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Leroy Adams, you're too young for a name like Leroy Adams. <laughs> <laughs> tell you that. All the time. They expect an older dude, right? But it, it, it makes sense because I'm actually named after my grandfather. Okay. His name was Leroy, and he wanted uh one of his grandsons uh to be named after him. And you know, I was like the seventh or eighth grandson that he eventually had, but you know. So finally somebody gave him his wish. Finally somebody gave him his wish. It was it would have wow. to be my mother. What was your grandfather like? Nothing like me. My grandfather <laughs> <laughs> He loved his grandkids. I'll say that much. He was a he was a fun granddad, but um you remember that that uh temptation song Papa had a, a rolling a Papa rolling was stone, rolling yeah. stone? Well, Unfortunately, he could hate his hat, he was his home. He was one of them. Unfortunately, that's my grandfather. Oh my <laughs> goodness. So, you know, that's my father, probably my you know, grandfather's during too. that time. So, yeah. Thank God. So you say you're not you're not nothing like him. I'm not like but but he's a he's a good grandfather, that good, regard. good, good dude for the most part. Not you in know. that regard. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> times was different. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you on the show. I've given the um the audience a little introduction uh, of you, you, but how about you go ahead and do yourself a solid <laughs> and introduce yourself the way you want to be introduced? Uh, um, well, I'm Leroy Adams. I I have to just tell people I'm a traveler, um, mm -hmm. and and. Sort of, a, I guess, a self-defined impact entrepreneur in the Get sense that... Uh, self-defined huh? impact, <laughs> impact entrepreneur? And, yes, ma'am. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Um, you know, I try to do things and create, create projects, products, engage in the community in a way that's um, truly impactful and not just for a dollar. So I, you know impact entrepreneur it is but uh so i'm leroy um traveler entrepreneur um originally from uh i was born in sandersville georgia okay but my mom ended up moving us to miami when i was like one years old so oh. i grew up in miami um, right you know that's my childhood home that's where you know um, i i had, you know had the majority of my adolescence and then um, spent a lot of time here in Texas during my college years. And after that, you know, it was just the world was open. I was out in the world traveling many different places, lived in a couple of countries abroad. And yeah. 
So you're in Texas now. I am. So San Antonio is my base. And by that, I mean, it's it's economically friendly. So as an entrepreneur and as a traveler, you know, I can lay down a foundation here. Um, recently bought a house here, uh, started a few businesses. And so I could lay down a foundation and still be able to do the things that I truly and want to do, which is travel, um, publishing this magazine, which we'll talk about later, and just, you know, having the life that I want. And so San Antonio is my base, but I feel like I live all over. Well, you are uh, you are a man with the way with words. Um, you said that San Antonio is economically friendly. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. not something that I hear a lot, or I don't know that I've ever, you know, really heard that. When you say that, do you mean it's like housing is affordable? Mm -hmm. um, what is employment like there? I mean, you're you're an entrepreneur, but yes, ma'am, like you're an no, entrepreneur. It's, yeah, it's it is by that when I say economically friendly, um, cost of living is fairly inexpensive here mm -hmm. compared to other major cities around the world. San Antonio is the seventh largest city in the U.S. So when you compare it to like a Houston or New York or an L.A. or Chicago or an Atlanta um, or a Dallas or a Houston or an Austin, it is remarkably cheaper. So as a young entrepreneur, right, that gives me the opportunity to buy a home and lay down some roots. Um, the job market here is um, very active. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure like most of the world, if, if, if at least the U.S., there's a lot of, you know, help wanted now hiring sounds here in San Antonio, but it's not all uh, low wage, low skill level jobs. There's a lot of jobs here in the biotech center. There's a lot of jobs here in the fintech um, tech community. Uh, there's a lot of jobs here in the hospitality industry because San Antonio is um, seventh largest city in the world. It has one of the largest tourism economies in the world as well. So there's a lot of jobs in the hospitality um, hotel, restaurant, or industry as well. You said San Antonio is the second largest city? Seventh. The seventh largest city. The seventh, seventh. largest city in... in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. See? I know. I didn't realize that when, <laughs> when I moved here four years ago. Um, I did not realize that when I moved here four years ago. And again, it makes... I, I guess this would be one of the best places to launch a travel magazine. Uh, <laughs> wow. Considering how important tourism is to the local economy well yeah and you know something i've only been to san antonio i think once i've been to san okay. antonio once and i think what i remember about san antonio was that it was green oh green. yeah green and so much of texas is brown yeah san antonio is really unique in that way and where it is very compared to the rest of <laughs> texas that you mentioned um san antonio is very green as a matter of fact um, on a Friday, I was I met with the chief marketing officer of Visit San Antonio mm -hmm. and in Visit San Antonio's strategic plan for the next two, three years is to promote the uh, their nature, their parks and their outdoor experiences because it is so green. There's a lot of places you can go to hike, walk, really go outside and build a relationship with nature and, you know, get away from the city life, if you will. And so unlike, yeah, what Texas is generally known for. Absolutely. Um, San Antonio is very green. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's attractive to me. I lived in Texas for a little bit. And, um, you know, I just can remember my first time seeing tumbleweed. I was like, what was mm -hmm. that? 
what was that between the tumbleweed, like driving across, <laughs> driving across Texas was like such an eye opener for me. And I was like, really? Like, why would any state have to be this big? You know, it was just like we were driving forever in Texas and then we got to some, something ran across the street. And I'm like, what was that? And it was tumbleweed. <laughs> and then it was oil wells are pumping. And I had just, I was in love. You know what I'm saying? And, you yeah, know, yeah. Was, I was I was just going with him wherever he go. I, wherever you go, I go. He like honey, eyes <laughs> like a bee. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. When I when we got down that road, I said, where we going again? <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Right. And after a while, I was I was in East Texas. And after a while, it really started to affect my psyche. Really? It really did. I felt so I felt so unnatural because I, I never mm. realized how green New Jersey was. Mm. I miss seeing the trees and I miss seeing the water and I miss yeah. having this part of my life. And, you know, we were in Lubbock, Texas, and to get to those things was so far away. So anyway, I digress. Yeah. I, I didn't expect to learn so much about San Antonio um, today, <laughs> but I'm glad that I did. And, you know, even you never know, somebody might be listening and thinking about it. Yeah. Week. Yeah. And um, you know, San Antonio might be a consideration. I love I love that. Thank you. And it's yeah. So when you were growing up in Miami, yes, um, ma'am. So, but primarily you grew up in Miami. I guess you went to college in Texas. I did, yes, ma'am. Okay. So when you were growing up, up in Miami, what was the you know, what was travel like? What was your first experience with travel or, you know, yeah. what, what did, how did travel relate to your family? You know, it's, it's crazy that I've traveled as much as I have and that I, I have such a deep relationship with travel because I was the first person in my family to have a passport. Uh, wow. Our travel, when I was a kid, you know, we did family vacations to like Orlando, Disney World, which a couple of hours away outside of did Miami. Did you drive? Uh, we drove. We always drove. Uh -huh. like we love <laughs> trips. We always drove. With your, um, with your chicken sandwiches. Yeah, chicken sandwiches are pre-made, <laughs> right? Capri Suns. We're not stopping on a road for all this junk food and expensive fast food, right? Exactly. So we would do that. The, the longest drive we would normally take for a vacation as a family would be to Georgia to visit family down there. Um, so that was the extent of my travel experiences as a child. It wasn't until I was in college and I studied abroad in Taiwan when I had my first international travel experience. experience. For the most part, it was all uh, in the U.S. until that point. So what did you think when you went to Atlanta? So I'm oh, sorry, Georgia. When you went, Georgia. When you went to Georgia yeah. compared to, because all you knew at that point mainly was yeah. Miami. Yeah. So what did you think? I mean, even just seeing different states, you know, because sometimes leave yeah. an impression on you. Yeah, you know, it was... I realized how slow life was because my family lives in Sandersville, Georgia. It is like the country. It's country, yo. I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> my, my uncle got farms with hogs in the back. You know, the best thing to do there is probably to visit Walmart and hang out. You know, that when I was a kid, now, <laughs> now they got movie theaters and stuff and like clubs. Wow. But um, yeah, it was life was so slow compared to life in Miami. And, you know, uh, but I think also 
it, it in a way forced me to, even at such a young age, recognize the value of just like relationships and actually connecting and talking with people when you're not distracted by, you know, so many other different things, um, technology, social media, what have you, you know, even at the time as that, at that young, I was like, you know, the only thing I can do here is like connect with my cousins and go outside and play basketball. Right, you they know, and talk to each other. Good Wi-Fi signal. Ain't so, no, yeah, none at all. Huh? I was that yeah, I would go back and forth up until I was about 15, 16 years old. Okay. You know, yes, How no. old are you now? Actually, yesterday I turned 34. Oh, happy belated <laughs> birthday, Leroy. I hope it was Thank a you. good day and I hope it's the greatest year ever. <laughs> Me too. It was. It was a really, really special birthday. I was I was very grateful. Um, oh, to, awesome. to yeah. yeah. Grateful is always a great gift. Yeah. It's a gift to be grateful. It's a gift mm -hmm. to know that mm -hmm. we should be grateful. That you, you should know? be grateful. Yeah. yeah. I remember. I've had to, uh -huh. Go ahead. I was going to say something I've had to remind myself over the years. Yes. Just be grateful exactly. for what you have. Me too. And I'm a lot older than you are. <laughs> you know what I remember about going to Georgia the first time? What part of Georgia? Um, I, Atlanta. Uh, the Atlanta okay. area. That was the first time that I went to Georgia. Uh, what I remembered was um, the soil. How the dirt. Oh, yeah. The red. Yeah. Yes. 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 Absolutely. The Absolutely. And then I remember, you know, I was I wasn't very like, you know, I wasn't I didn't pay attention in geography. I didn't pay attention mm -hmm. in history growing up, you know, when I was in um, high school. And I was always from the New Jersey region. And New Jersey mm. is a is a it's it's a great place because it is just so neutral to so many mm. other places. Like you can start in Jersey and hang out in Philly, New York, yeah. um, Delaware, yeah, yeah. yeah. Baltimore, all in the same day if you really wanted to. Yeah. You know, so Jersey was just like a really good central location. My my part where I, where I spent most of my city time because I I grew mm. up in a rural area in okay. southern Jersey where I spent most of my city time was in Philadelphia. And mm. uh, but I'll tell you something. I never really left that region, and mm. it wasn't until mm. I moved to Texas. Um, I moved to Mississippi and was different i expected the people to be really slow and you know just dry and i absolutely mm -hmm. love biloxi mississippi I, I i met some of the most progressive people ever so that it is was, nice out there it is it really is now texas was a different story and mm -hmm. when i went to texas is when i realized that all black people in the united states were not the same Really? Like in what way? Tell me, I'm always fascinated by when in people like that, get that. I just felt like maybe it's considering where I was too. I was mm -hmm. in Lubbock and I just felt like they were very unaware of a lot of things. And I just can remember learning about Juneteenth um, while I was there. And then when I learned about Juneteenth, I actually refused to celebrate it with them. Because with the with the blacks with the, that didn't weren't the, like people from Lubbock, because yeah. I said you're still not free. 
Mm. You know, to me, it was like, what are you, you're celebrating your freedom, but you're living in a place where there's no black radio station. You couldn't find, I couldn't find, and you would not find an essence or any black magazine, no matter Mm. where you look, you Mm. know, in Lubbock. I was told when I got to Lubbock that um, when the first sister that I met, she said, well, what do you do? And I says, well, I'm a legal secretary. And she said, well, we don't, we can't work in law offices here. And she told me that black, this was back in 1995 or so. 95, stop. Yes. 95, people still thinking that way? Yes. And she wasn't the only one. She told me to get a job at Fashion Book. She told me to get a job at Fashion Bug and to get a job or, or that they would hire us at Kmart. And I said, well, I don't work at Fashion Bugs or Kmart. So, and I don't mean to make this about me, but just real quick, I ended up, I was a temp. I used to temp and I ended up, you know, uh, temping. And when they called me for the first job and and offered me $5 an hour, I said, Charlotte Hickenbotham don't get out the bed for $5 an hour. <laughs> Uh, look, it was a great executive assistant position. You got to be kidding me. And, you know, I ended up putting on my fake Gucci suit and I went around, got the phone book out. I went around and I met attorneys all over Lubbock. And yeah. I said, for freelance secretary, you know, my fee is $12, mm. I think, or $13 an hour. And way, way, of, way no. beyond. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you think you are? But guess what? They hired me. They hired you. They hired me. And eventually I ended up working for the largest law firm in Lubbock, Texas. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking the HR lady, I said, okay, so I was told when I came here that, um, you know, black people couldn't work in law firms and everything. And I said, I thought it was silly. And I yeah. said, to be honest with you. I'm like the only one here. It was me and a custodian. We were the only blacks in the whole firm. And, you know, I said, and, she, and the lady said to me, she said, Charlotte, can I be honest with you? And I said, please do. And she said, they don't apply. And you know what? I believed her. She said, black people do not apply. Because if everybody is telling you that story, and yeah. that's what you're going to believe, and your mom is telling you, and you're, yeah. you know, I mean, we're, it, was, it was crazy. So that yeah. was kind of my experience with Texas. Well, you know what that that makes me think. So on Friday, um, I was in this entrepreneurship class, and there was a banker there, and um, they were talking about access to capital, access to funding for entrepreneurs, etc. And then we also talked, you know, about some of the um, why people of color, why women particularly, don't get access to capital from the banks. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I don't know exactly how I feel about what they said. But this is what they 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 basically said that African Americans don't apply. They don't come into the banks and asking for loans. And then they say with women, it's even worse. My, I believe that's partially true. But I think also you have to take into consideration the historical context. Like, if we have been going into these banks for generations and being denied, not only for access to capital for business, but for housing, for um. Uh, for community development, like for education, we've been consistently denied. So are we surprised that yeah. Black people are not the first in line to go into a bank to ask for a loan, considering, you know, now granted things are different, 
you know, they're, they're black owned banks today, more black owned banks today. Um, things are different, but I think it takes changes, changes, change takes time. Psychological change takes even longer. So I think you, it's going to be a while before black people, black business owners, entrepreneurs are incredibly comfortable enough to go into at least white owned banking institutions and expecting a positive outcome. Yes. And, you know, you said you don't know how you felt about it. And that's yeah. because I think that instinctively you knew some of that was true. And yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. thing was that, but there's so much more behind that. You just yeah. can't say, just, yeah, you know, yeah. just say, well, then you don't ask. You don't ask. There's a reason. You know what I mean? And in other words, yeah. like, if they don't ask, it's a reason why, you know, yeah. people don't ask. And after a while, you get tired of doors being shut in your face. Yeah. Um, and it's just not an experience that the positive experience at the bank or the car dealer is just mm. something that is is common to us yeah you know and not common enough people just see the world through a whole nother lens different lens a whole nother lens i was just talking to you know a a white guy and i was like okay well that's kind of the way that you see it but there's so much that we see that other people don't even notice yeah you know what i mean and so it, it it is it is more complex than just not you know not doing it so i'm hoping that with the invent of the internet mm-hmm, and everything mm-hmm. and all the information that we have available to us, that some of us are starting to get outside of the box and mm-hmm. find places that are willing to work with us and just decide Absolutely. that if I got to kick down two or three doors, that's just what I have to do. That's what I have to do. You and know, that's, yeah. You wish it was easier um, sometimes, but it's not, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like we always have to work extra hard. Regardless oh. of what it is, and just real quick, I'm I'm loving this conversation because <laughs> in a minute, right? I knew I would like talking to you. I have this this woman, uh, this client mm-hmm. that I had. She was married to a white guy. Okay, and he is this older guy. I mean, not like you know, super polished in business. Never had his own business. You know, it's mm-hmm. one of those people who he was a. Uh, he had his, he had what he did and he did it for a company. Um, mm-hmm. but he never had a business. He had no business sense. And he just decided, you know what? I'm just gonna my own business. And that's what he did. He left his job. Um, no business experience. Um one day, excuse me, one day she comes in and she said something about the truck that he had bought. I said, He bought a truck. And she said, Yeah, he bought an interest my goodness, really? I said, did he have a lot of money saved up or, you know, how did he do that? Yeah, yeah. To establish credit as a new business, you know, and then yeah, she said, yeah. oh, I said, oh, so I said, so he has good credit. Did he get it in his name and not the company name? And she was like, no, he got it in the company name. And I said, well, and she said, yeah, it wasn't hard at all. And I said, that's because he's a white guy. Mm-hmm. It's a lot mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. If a black, he went into, he walked into the bank, Leroy, and said, hey, I, I need some money to buy a truck. And he walked out with one. Hadn't made you, a daggone dime with his you know, Yeah, I, I, I can share. So two weeks ago. Yes. Um, I, I met with the owners of the San Antonio Women Magazine. I've met with them a couple of times. White okay. folk, good people. 
And the right before I had the investor meeting last Friday, I you know met with them again. I met with the San, uh, owners of San Antonio Women Magazine, and I walked into the owner's office. Dale is his name. And I said, "Hey, hey, Dale, like I, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out what my circulation projection is going to be like because investors are going to want to know those things, right? They're going to know the financial projections and all of that." Yeah. And Dale looks at me and says, "No, you don't." He said, the only thing you need to walk in there with is the passion that you have, the integrity that you have, and that you have at least one copy of your magazine. That's it. Sell that. That's all you need to sell. And in my mind, I'm saying, Dell, you're a white man. You can walk into that room with passion and, and, and a viable product and no projections at all. And people will take you at your word. Yeah. And sure enough, I went into the, the investors meeting. And I had that passion, right? I had a copy of my magazine. Um, I had how we're, you know, we're going to market and things. I had all of that. And that was, all of that was great. My story was great. The investor eventually came on, but they did ask about my projections. As a matter of fact, I ended up getting less than what I asked for in terms of um, an, an initial investment. And I think it's because I didn't, I didn't have the what the circulations projections would be like yeah uh, even though i've been working on those and i've been like drafting those and refining and what have you but i wasn't comfortable to put them in that place in front of them at that moment yes um but i feel as if i would have had those circulation projections right they would have given me the amount that i asked for but again going back to the conversation with dell he was saying well you don't need all of those things i'm saying dude i am a young black kid yes, yes. you know I do need all those things. Yeah. I have to go the extra mile to show credibility yes. and seriousness, right? In order for, for me to get that investment, for me to get that capital, or to get exactly what it is I need. It was the same thing I, as I'm reading um, The Man from uh, Essence, Edward uh -huh. Lewis, the four uh, men that created Essence Magazine. Wow. Yeah, four black four black men that created Essence Magazine. And I'm reading this and it's just it's serving as a guide for me. Yeah. I didn't know four um, black men created Essence Magazine. Yes, Men created Essence Magazine. Yes, ma'am. It's wow. so fun. It's such that an interesting true. story. Wow. So, I, so might back in, that, I might have to put that down for my book, uh, The Man yeah. from Essence, for my book club. Yeah. Okay. Created Thank a, you. Awesome. So the way, to give you a quick, quick synopsis, what happened was after the civil rights movement and the women's movement, and uh, I think it was about 1968, Wall Street, just like you saw the response of Wall Street after the George Floyd protests, George Floyd. Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it was the same thing at that time. Wall Street was looking to quell Black anger and rage. And so they mm -hmm. thought, okay, let's invest in Black businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, and so those four brothers were basically uh, introduced to a couple of investors and bankers on Wall Street by um, their white friends, basically. Right. And they said, well, let's come together and create a magazine for Negro women. You know, Negro women are coming into, they're, they're being more educated. They have more leisure income. They're having a more bigger footprint in the world. So let's create a magazine for them. They, they had never created a magazine before. None of them had ever did anything in publishing before, but they came together. Luckily, they each had their own strengths. And then they created Essence. Now, mind you, in the first year, they wanted to raise $1.5 for Essence to publish it. They were only able to raise one hundred and thirty thousand wow. dollars. Sixty thousand of that came from the um, a bank that was founded by Jackie Robinson. 
Jackie wow. Robinson ended up finding a bank, uh, starting a bank because he realized black businesses during that time could not get access to capital. So wow. he started a bank and his bank ended up giving him at least 60,000 to start. And they had to scrap. So half scrap, of it scrap. came from a black bank. Half of it came from a black bank. And they had to scrap. They would. They could not get any money from enough money from Wall Street. They could not get any advertisers to like really put you know put ads in their magazine because of course at that time they were like, well, black. If I put my mag my ads my fashion ads in this black magazine, does that bring down? Is that going to bring down my value? Exactly. So they had to struggle and battle through all of that. And you look at Essence today. If yes. you read how Essence struggled in the three, the first three to five years, even going through five, six different uh, editors, editors and chiefs struggling to get investment, struggling to get advertisers, you know, going through a coup, like it was so many different things that wow. could have really derailed Essence. And it's a testament to at least two of the founders who stayed on and everyone else around them who really believed in the vision. Do you know who the largest investor of Essence Magazine was in the early year? Muhammad Ali? No. But Hugh Hefner and Playboy. What? They invested $275,000 in Essence. Hugh Hefner did a lot for Black celebrities and Black entertainers during that time. I was not aware until I read this. I'm not either. Hugh Hefner I did a lot. This. And of course, there was a lot of controversy around that because here you are, you're starting a magazine for Black women but your largest investor and one of your board members it's is the, the greatest exploiter <laughs> of women, of women their, ever. right? Of women ever. And your four and so, guys and your yeah. four dudes. And your four dudes. The original name for Essence was Sapphire. The four men said, we'll call it Sapphire. Everyone looked at them like they were crazy. They said, why in the world would you call it Sapphire? Because apparently Sapphire was associated with I forget it was like promiscuous women or something like that at the time. Wow. And they were unaware of that. Uh -huh. And it was a woman. It was a woman who gave them the name Essence. Their first editor-in-chief wow. said it will be called Essence. Wow. So they did hire women to help. They did. They did. But they even struggled with that because, again, at that time, there weren't a lot of women, period, but Negro men specifically yes. who worked in magazines. So they right. couldn't. They had to also hire on like they had to hire certain uh, white people in certain positions yes. to actually get the magazine out, but then also to train the 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 black people that they did hire and bring on. Like it, this book, when I say it is literally like a a Bible for black entrepreneurs, but particularly a black entrepreneur who's like in the publishing sector, in the publishing industry, because yes. it not only talks about what it's like to build a magazine and to try to build a magazine, but it talks about the, the dynamics of having a black business and hiring black employees and having a black business and product and communicating that to the black community where you have this situation where the black community always feels that whatever one of us creates, it belongs to all of us. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and you're not really supposed to pay a full price for you're it. You're not really supposed to pay for it because it belongs to us. Yes. So we're not or sometimes, unfortunately, too, I think that when it's that sometimes the black community looks at us as entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and think that we're not supposed to be as good mm -hmm. as yeah. other people yeah. 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 in the yeah. same business. Yeah. And it's like it's almost like, well, look, I'm coming yeah. on your team. You yeah. know, well, you want to hook yeah. that. Nobody asked me for no damn hookups. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't, 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 don't do it. Believe me, 
you're gonna get hooked up like everybody <laughs> else that paid their sixteen fifty or fifteen hundred or whatever is gonna get hooked yeah. up because I'm gonna bring yeah. you some quality and excellence. Mm -hmm. Don't mm -hmm. do that to me. Mm -hmm. And I've always mm -hmm. been that way with business. I try to be fair, but don't yeah. do that. Don't come with that bro man sister girl stuff. You know, Michelle, and and that's good, and I think that's a mindset. Even as black entrepreneurs, we have to get out of, and in, in a sense of like, okay, we can we can get a hookup to the community. Even that, even deep down, that is our desire. I myself have had to really sit back and decide how much do I charge for this magazine. Everyone that has looked at this magazine, like I told you, an investor came on Friday and said, "Yes, boom, we're partners. Like we're gonna do this." Everyone else has looked at it and said, "Bro, this is gold." I myself have looked at it and said, this is something for the community, for the culture. How much do I, because I don't want to. Price like, your, price your you know, people you know, out. But, but that's yeah. something that we have to deal with we as deal black with. entrepreneurs. You're right. Even, even if our products are great, it's like, but still I want, but then again, the mindset is, what well, do you think that every black person is low middle-class income? No, they're wealthy, well-off to do black people who could spend money in any way that they want, but still there is the middle class, low income community who's just going to ride with you no matter what. And that will buy your product if it's valuable, if it brings value to their lives. And that's how I've had to sort of sit back and approach this. It's, 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 it's a black entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. you know, thing. Mm -hmm. And um, because I go through that myself mm -hmm. and I tell people like, you know, imagine. people on YouTube and you know, asking for donations and things like that. That's not, I'm not comfortable with that. That's just mm, not my style. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, not, not yeah. shading nobody else, but that's just not my style. I I'm there with I you. Ask you for something. I need to provide you with something. I'm I can with figure you. out some way to add value to your experience. Why mm -hmm. should you pay me for things that other people are getting for free? I'm there with you. I've, I've, what I you know, do people is, yeah. I add value. I add yeah. value. And we started this beat community platform. It gives mm -hmm. people a chance to invest in what we're doing, invest in themselves, invest in their business and invest in the community. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. it helps us to keep our prices down because we do so much that we don't charge for still so mm -hmm. much of what we do is community, but there's mm -hmm. only so much of that I can do. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Because yeah, yeah. this is my full-time job now in in order to keep the prices down and for people that are really being assisted by our services, this is a way you can help with that. So yeah, yeah, I get you. And I think that that is just an amazing segue um, into what I want to talk about next. And here's the thing, what I'm hearing just from a little bit that you told me about the men of essence mm -hmm. is they didn't give up. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't give up. They were doing something that was groundbreaking, um, that was new, that was foreign. You got to convince everybody that it's a mm -hmm. viable mm -hmm. um, idea. Mm -hmm. You might have to fool with the Hugh Hefness. You might you know have to. to get the you job might have done. to. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it was worth it. I mean, mm -hmm. Essence is such a, a, a legend. In mm -hmm. our community, you know, it's it's a, it's a publication that we've always been very proud of. At least during the you know times in my life, mm -hmm. I mean, like mm -hmm. I just said, when I was in Lubbock, I'm like, where is Essence? Mm -hmm. You mean to mm -hmm. tell me y'all ain't got nary a Essence or nary a counter <laughs> and nary a store in this entire town? Oh, I was done <laughs> with them. I'm gonna have to order. You know, I have to get prescriptions to things. Yeah, you know, yeah. 
right? Because this was before the internet. But mm -hmm. I think what it says is that just keep going. And keep going. Even when you come into that room, you know, with investors, you have to overcome the fact that you're black, the fact mm -hmm. that you're young, mm -hmm. the fact mm -hmm. that you're a male, the fact that you have traditional locks, you know, mm -hmm. So you okay. got to come in. You got to come in with all that other stuff Bob told you you didn't need. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. got to have all that. You got to yeah. have all that plus the passion. Yeah. And then careful yeah. with the passion because you don't want the passion to make you seem uh, aggressive. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're, yeah. You're a little yeah. dark. You're a little dark. And so yeah. like the darker you are, the more horrified they are if you mm -hmm. seem, mm -hmm. you know, aggressive. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm telling yeah. you, we could really, really go on yeah. that. Y'all, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Y'all are going to have to wait till next week for the rest of that conversation because it was just so big. We had to break it up in two. Oh, my goodness. Did I tell you that that young man has just he, he just stole my heart. He, he has just really stole my heart. I'm so proud of him. And it's just so amazing how he knows so much that it has taken me years to learn as an entrepreneur. And I'm glad that he is so engrossed in um, in the in the business that he's in because he's learning more and more every day. And I'm telling you, keep your eye on him because he is great and he's just he is just destined for even greater greatness um, in his life. Who knew? I did not know. That the that there were four black men who started Essence. Who knew they got half the money they raised that first year from Jackie Robinson? Oh my God! I know you didn't know Hugh Hefner <laughs> put him down with two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, and you know it's like it just reminded me of some of the things that take place on our page. And on our page, some people get upset because there's there's white folks on our page. Well, I guess there's a lot of different schools about that, or at least two. One school of thought is like, no, if it's black, it's black, and that's that. And the other school of thought, which is the one in this case that I actually um, um, subscribe to, is that we did not build the things that we've built on, on our own. We have it. I mean, we were we have worked hard on the civil rights movement and, um, you know, getting equality and justice for ourselves. But there has always been our white counterparts who I feel are just overlooked when it comes to like civil rights um, because they gave to a cause that didn't affect them. Honestly, they will walk out that door. As a matter of fact, they will be in a worse position for helping black people because they would have to say to their own people, you know, they would have to answer to their own people when their own people say, well, why in the world would you invest in that? And then they had to stand up for a, a culture and a race and a people that didn't live in their house and wasn't in their family. And I'm sorry, that deserves credit and honor. Okay, keeping that in perspective. And what if he hadn't taken Hugh's money? Okay, so Hugh, <laughs> Hugh wasn't the most upright man, I guess, when it came to different things that he'd done. I mean, Playboy and women exploiting women and things like that. But 
he saw fit to help us have Essence Magazine. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Some of the things that I'm doing right now here in Panama, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, some of my greatest supporters are non-Black individuals. Not to say that Black people don't support the work of Black expats in Panama, in, in other Black organizations. However, comma, if you come to my table with a sincere heart and an interest in the goals and aspirations that we as a people are trying to move forward on, I'm going to hear you out. I'm sorry. I am going to hear you out. Now, there's a time and a place for everything. And I think that sometimes, you know, white folk definitely need to know where those boundaries are. So that is absolutely necessary. But I am not going to, you know, discount you because you don't look like me. Okay. Not going to do it. And so, you know, even the George Floyd movement. Now, there are some other races. Um, or, you know, people from different cultures that were not there that I noticed when we did George Floyd and all of the support that came with that. There were some that weren't there and I noticed that, but white people were there. White people were there and they was more loud and proud with it than some of us. So that's all I want. That's all I had to say about that. I thought that the San Antonio piece, the economically friendly, the fact that it's the seventh largest city in the world was like dope information to find out like who knew I didn't know. I'm learning so much stuff on these shows, guys. Um, you know, uh, the, the impact entrepreneur, you know, he basically put into words what I am. And that's why I am always having to, you know, defend my prices or the, 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 the low, you know, medium prices that I'm comfortable charging for things to my partners, because I don't want to price out people who I want to say to who I say I want to include. So I always have to keep that in, in mind. And that's why we're always trying to come up with new ways to bring in revenue in other areas to help us continue to do the, the, the gratis community work and support that we're offering. So that's, you know, that's a big part of the Beep community platform. That's blackexpatspanama.com. You just, you're just doing so much by supporting that. Just believe me when I tell you, you are. Okay. And the brother is a homeowner. He's 34, just turned 34. He's a homeowner. He was the first person in his family to get a passport. And then the conversation about loans and how people just sometimes don't understand um, what we're what we have to go through as people of color. It's just not the same experience. I would dare say it's not the same America. In a lot of places, you could say it's not the same world. You know, our situation is different. And I heard somebody say the other day, you know what, forget excellence. All we need to do is what we need to do. I don't agree with that because you can say that and then you're going to get that. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you want the best, you got to be better than the best. Don't I, that is just where that's where I am. I ain't never trying to be mediocre. Uh-uh. I am always trying to be excellent and I'm always proud of black excellence even for the reasons that the brother mentions about the assumptions that we make about each other when it comes to business even. You know, all of these processes we have to go through. Then, you know, his um 
his just the fact that he's young, that he's um, that he's so he's traveled, and we're going to get into more of that next week. And so I won't be a spoiler on that. But I just absolutely love this conversation. Um, I hope that you guys will look out for his launch of the Buddy Pass magazine, which is coming out soon. I congratulate him on his new investors and all the successes that he's having. Um, he's so grateful for the people who work with him and who have supported him. And I know, you know, it just absolutely, it means a lot. So even in saying that, I'm going to get ready to let y'all go. But, you know, he is the second young person under 40 when I said, you know, so give me a song from like the 70s or 80s that you, you know, that that you like. Two times in a row, Billy Jean, Michael Jackson came up. So that was the song that we played when we interviewed Antonio and Irina. So fortunately, this brother had like a few different ones. And one of them was the legendary Johnny Kemp. I just got paid, baby. And so we are going to go with, was it Johnny Kemp? Yeah, we're going to go with Johnny Kemp just got paid. So I want y'all to enjoy that. You're going to definitely have to come back next Sunday to hear the rest of this um, um, interview. And we get into his travels and how he got into it and just get more deep into the conversation about the international piece. We just got so engrossed in like the business and it's amazing. Anyway, I'm going to let y'all go. But um, until next time, Follow us everywhere, Black Expats in Panama. i like to thank my main man, Daryl Spears, for producing this um, radio um, program. I'd like to thank Riley Jackson and Devin for, um, Devin for just, and uh, Devin's last name just completely escaped me. But I want to thank them for um, just creating Blackseed Radio. I mean, whoo, that's what's up. And um, continue to support Blacks of Radio and continue to support the other um, disc jockeys who are on um, Blacks of uh, Radio. You have um, Paul Buchanan and, um, and I can think of um, Jesse Feliz, a, um, Spanish swag right off the top of my head. Um, you know, Devin is on and Devin, I think Devin's last name is Austin. Devin is on and she has jazz and she talks about Costa Rica sometime. You know, Riley is Rashawn and um, he does jazz and R&B too. And so just keep the radio on. Just even when I'm not on, just turn it on. Just turn it on, baby, turn it on. So listen, get on out of here. I love you. I love you. I love you. And there is just absolutely nothing you can do about it. Y'all be blessed. Be blessed.